Oh boy. You are in for a treat. I think I may have found one of my new favorite animes. And I can only be talking about The Promised Neverland. And we're going to talk about it this week, season one, on Shonen and Suds. Cody, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am good, man. I am. I'm feeling a little, a little stuffy, but uh, other than that, I'm great. How are you? Oh, dude, Cody, I am beyond great, especially coming off of that turd that we watched last week. Cody, I don't think we could have gone any further on the spectrum, on the opposite side of the spectrum, on just quality of storytelling, pacing, and... Oh my god, dude, Cody, what a breath of fresh air. And it doesn't include vampires, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this one definitely, uh... It definitely blew me away. I was not expecting the show to be as good as it was. And of course, we're talking about Promise Neverland. We're talking about season one. You have to be very specific about that because it's once you get to season two, apparently it gets a little rocky. But we're just talking about the good stuff here. Yeah, and and I, I'm glad you said it like that. Um, because as we're going through this, because I'm gonna tell you right now, Cody, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves. I don't need any more of this story. What this this twelve episodes that they gave us, to me, it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. I don't need. And, I, and like I said, Cody, I'm the type of person, I like a story that I don't want to be spoon-fed every single detail. Mm-hmm. To me, a, a great story allows you to use your imagination. It allows you to speculate. Like, I don't want to be spoon-fed every single detail. I don't want to know what happened to this world to put it in the state that it's in. And at the end, when the kids escape, because there's this air of mystery to the outside world, I don't want to know what's out there. I want it to be left to my imagination to speculate. Are they okay? Is the world destroyed? You know what I mean? Like, I got the perfect story out of these 12 episodes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely more, more I want to see. Um, but it's kind of unfortunate that we... Going into this, we've already heard like the the backlash from season two. Um, mm-hmm. But man, it seems like it would just be so difficult to mess this up the way it was going because it just oh the, the tee up is perfect. So if they did, if they are continuing it and trying to tell more of a story, like I feel like, I feel like it's pretty hard to mess up. But also too, Cody, you know what? I think what's part of the charm is just the mystery of everything. Like right. yeah, absolutely. Man, and, and we'll we'll clearly talk more about that as we get into it. But man, and, you know, obviously we'll go over some rankings, um, you know, and we we've got we've got our poll winner for next week. So Cody, we got a lot to talk about. But um, now you know good and well. Now you know almost I got almost got ahead of myself again. I'm so excited to talk about this. Of course, like we said at the top of this thing, welcome, welcome to a, a super happy episode of Shonen and Suds. I'm your host Chris Adams, and I'm Cody Snodgrass. And like we said, we're talking prom. We can't shut up about Promise Neverland. In <laughs> fact, um, but Cody, you know, we like I said, we got a lot to talk about. But you know, we can't do that with if we got some dry mouth over here, some old dirt road mouth. So I need to know, Cody, what you drinking? Hopefully, you got that crack on the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Alright, Chris, I have actually went back to some one of the party packs that I never got to finish. Uh, this is, oh, nice. This is the Bud Light Lemonade, but it's not the Seltzer Lemonade. Um, mm -hmm. This is more of like, it's more of a beer tasting lemonade. Mm -hmm. um, Almost like a shandy kind of, right? Kind of, yeah, but it just, I don't know, it tastes a little bit too beery, maybe, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. I like the original lemonade of this kind, uh, and I like the cherry lime or the cherry lemonade version. Uh, but this mm -hmm. one is the cranberry lemonade, which I'm already not a big fan of, like cranberry anything really. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's okay. It just tastes like, I guess, cranberry juice splashed on top of a Bud Light with a, a hint of lemonade. Also, it's. Mm -hmm. no, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not a big fan of cranberry. So I think that's what puts me off of it. But you know, we gotta. These party packs keep rolling out, so I got to keep knocking them down. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm drinking today. Uh, what about you, Chris? Well, Cody, you know, I had to go with your, you know, one of your old reliables this week. Obviously, you know, there's a big movie coming out this weekend, uh, Fast and uh, Fast and Furious Nine. So there's only one way. You know, I'm I'm at the store, Cody, and I'm looking at the the the, you know, the beer aisle, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can have any beer I want as long as it's a Corona. So, uh, Cody, I am sipping on the Corona Extra, which I mean, obviously we've I've I've covered these type of styles before. It's just a uh, you know a cerveza style. It's a German inspired lager. A lot of that comes from early colonization. So, if you've had a Dos Equis lager, if you've had a Modelo Especial, if you've had a Pacifico, if you've had a Sol, a Tecate, you've had a Corona. It's all the same beer, all the same style. But there's just something, Cody, about putting the one finger around. On the top of that neck and knocking it back. That's right, Chris. This podcast isn't just about friends; it's about family. You know. That's right. It's about family. And uh, speaking of family, Cody, goddamn it, you knocked it out of the park. Hell of a segue, because that those are the kid. Like the kids are fa their family, right? Yeah. They're all these kids in this uh this this uh this orphanage home farm, as it were. Um. Our family, so hell of a segue, Cody. So I don't know about you. Um, I guess we can we can do all the housekeeping on the back end because we've got a poll and everything to announce. Because um, we do have some news, not a whole lot, but just some. Yeah, we got a little um, bit of podcast news, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Chris. Ready. I'm ready to go to Neverland, dude. I've got my white I've got my white jumpsuit on. I'm waiting for Mama to come make my dinner. Dude, I'm ready. I am ready. But first, before we dive in, let's just do a really quick tale of the tape. Of course, we're talking Promise Neverland. Um, I want to say it is actually based on um, this is this season one is based on the first um, ten chapters, I believe, of the manga. Uh, oh no, sorry, it's like the first like forty chapters. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's a um, it's a and the the anime came out in January um of 2019. So this is a relatively new uh newish anime, really in the long run. Um, and like you said, season two has just started, so there are only a few episodes in as far as that goes. But um, you know, again, like you said, there's really not a whole lot to report so far on season two. But Cody, season one is absolutely perfect. Um, there's a reason that I guess. You know, this got a lot of votes. I've, I've this is an anime I've heard people mention, but when you hear a name like Promise Neverland and you look at the uh, like the this the still image on Netflix, if you look at the like the promotional posters, things like that, it's like 
I don't want to watch no Peter Pan coming of age bullshit. Like, I, it's like, I don't care. I've seen it. You've seen one anime like that. You've seen a hundred of them, right? Like, I could literally watch every Miyazaki film and it's that. It's literally that, right? Yeah. But Cody, that is not what this was at all. No. So no, this took us for a whirl. And uh, just to touch on something you mentioned, uh, the second season has completely aired in English and Japanese. It's just not. Oh, wide- it has. Okay. Yeah, it's just not widely available. Yeah, the last English episode actually aired two days ago. Uh, Did okay, so it's still relatively recent. Gotcha. Yeah, so we'll eventually get it on Netflix and all, you know all the big streaming stuff. Um, but for now, we're gonna wait to cover that. And uh, Indeed, yeah, well, well, Cody, I'm uh, I'm ready. I'm in the passenger seat. I've got my seatbelt on. I've got the I've got my uh my my road snacks. I need you to take us to this. To this this future world that we're in where take Cody, take us, get it, put us in the DeLorean and take us to 2045. Cause right. that's where we're at. Right. Chris 2045. We're not, we're not so far in the future of like, you know, vampire hunter D or anything, but, uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we start off on this, on this, I, like you said, it's like an orphanage. It's like this home where these 38 kids basically grow up and they're tested and they have like a, a mother that kind of oversees everything that goes on with them and like kind of like schedules what they do on their like day-to-day lives um yeah so it's almost like an orphan like you know the, the vibe you get it's like all right it's an orphanage they they have to do schooling like they they definitely it seems like they care about the development of these kids mm-hmm. yeah and we see like we get to basically we meet our our, our main three characters which is it's Emma, Norman, and Ray. Ray's yeah. And they're basically our main our main cast. We got a couple supporting characters that we'll meet as well. Um mm-hmm. But they're uh, definitely like older like some of the older kids in the orphanage. Like they're um they they almost seem like they are the oldest because it seems like mm-hmm. that there's you know, you get to a certain age and, and that's that's pretty common, right? Very rarely and, and you know, again, I don't know, but you watch all the movies and T V shows, usually there's like one outlier in the orphanage. Like you've got your one like badass teen that always gets thrown out of the you know, foster parents because they like smoking <laughs> and drugs, what, you know, whatever. But most kids you see in an orphanage are like thirteen and younger, right? Right. Yeah, and these kids they can uh, get they can order off the kids menu. That's right. <laughs> and uh, Emma, Norman, and Ray they're all eleven, um, and it seems mm-hmm. like they kind of talk uh, like seems like once you reach age twelve, you're kind of like you're kind of like I, I not really adopted but like it makes it seem that way uh but it's there's there's like a darker tone to this anime especially when we when we meet mother isabella uh who is like the head of the house like we mentioned before um mm-hmm. even from jump street chris i always thought there was something creepy about her um, she had a very like one of the vibes i got from this show cody while we're watching it um i don't know if you're familiar with handmaid's tale at all but like this this sh- Show's set in the future, but like they're in this very old timey looking orphanage. Like it seems like there's no electricity. Everything is like like gas lit or candle lit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wearing very simple like white pajamas. Like you know the girls are wearing like white white blouse. The guys are wearing like a white button down shirt with white slacks. Um, they're all dressed the same. So it's almost almost has this like like boarding school very like i, I don't want to use the word prison because they're it's kids yeah but they're I, I wearing think, i think boarding school is pretty pretty close to what you're what you're like 
getting to. Uh, that's what yeah. I. That's what I kind of got. Um, at first, obviously, then it sort of turns into a prison later. Um, yeah. So, because I mean, right off the bat, Cody, we're we're seeing in this first episode one. There's a girl uh, named Connie who's actually like mother's got all the children gathered, and today's the day Connie's being adopted. She's got a. You know, we're gonna take her out to the gate to meet her family. Say, you know, she has everybody say goodbye, and like you hear Connie say something like something like my school, my my test scores weren't the best. I'm a little slow, but I'm really happy to be a dot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, well that's cool, and it's like okay, that makes sense. It's a daughter, you know. What family wouldn't want to have a daughter? That kind of thing. She's young, you know. So I'm thinking like very like standard like orphanage stuff. So she's got her suitcase. She's got her little stuffed animal, and. There, there's like this long walk because like this is a huge plot of land dude and like there's the long walk from the house to the gate yeah and before we get too far ahead i should probably mention the first scene of the show is actually uh ray emma and norman and they're at like the fin or they're at the gate and they mm-hmm. they, they kind of say what their mother is mother isabella has, has told them all along which is like yep. never go near the gate never go near the fence yeah, it's um, like, what do they want to be when they grow up or something like that? They're talking like, you know, like kids do. Yeah, and so, like, on, on this last, Connie's last day there, they play, like, one last game of tag, which is, like, the game they, they like, that's their game of choice. With no technology, yeah. like, tag is the move. It's, I mean, that's what I did when I was a kid all the time was play tag and oh, hide-and-go-seek. Yeah. So, uh, I can relate to that a little bit here. Um, but yeah, so like you said, Connie, and basically whenever a kid gets adopted here, Mother Isabella basically walks them through the dark, grabs a lantern, and just <laughs> they walk to the gate alone with nobody else. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, I want to say it's Emma and Ray that notice. I know it's Emma well, yeah, because they're Emma they're like cleaning up after dinner, and they notice that um, Connie's, Connie's little, little Mr. Bunny or whatever his name is, her toy, her rabbit that she had before she left was just sitting there on the table. Yeah, and they're like, oh, they she forgot it, and Ray's like, hey. You know, mother hasn't come back. There's probably still time you can get it to her before she leaves. So they're like, all right, let's, you know, they want to do the nice thing and get this little girl back her, uh, her little stuffed animal. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> first they get to that gate and it's open for the first time that they've seen. Um, yep. And what's really cool is it has like, it's almost like you see like a box truck. There's like a door off to the side, almost like a, I don't know, like, it looks almost like a like a stable house kind of kind of situation here at the gate, um, mm-hmm. but there's like a truck and the kids are like, oh wow, that's a vehicle. I've never seen a vehicle before. So I'm like, because I, I don't think yet that they mentioned that this is the future. It's not until we see like a calendar mm-hmm. in the orphanage that it's like it's the future. Because I'm thinking, because before we realize it's the future, Cody, I'm thinking that this is like, oh, this is like some turn of the century stuff. This is like some, you know. You know, World War One, World War Two, displaced kind of stuff. You know, maybe we're in Europe. You know what I mean? Like you start, like my mind starts speculating everything. Right. Yeah, and it's it's tough to tell with like the lack of technology that there is here that we've yeah. seen. Um, and even like the first time, few times they show the calendar, mm-hmm. I wasn't really focused on the year up top. I was focused on like what Emma was xing off the calendar. So like today it showed Connie's name was on yep. the, the day. I wasn't looking at oh it's year twenty forty five. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of freaked out, like, in a more happy way. Like, Norman's like, oh, look at this truck. He's all checking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for our girl Emma, she she looks around what's in the back of the truck. Oh, no. Chris, we find, uh, 
Little Connie is, uh, she is dead. Yeah, she's, like, drained of, like, all of the color. She's, like, kind of, like, almost, like, almost, like, kind of skeletal. Like, her body's been drained of life, and she has, like, this little, like, flower sticking out of her chest. Almost like a bright bread. Not, not a rose, but the flower is, like, that bright, like, crimson red. Um, Yeah, it's very, and, very, uh, like, horrifying, to, to say the least. Oh, like, her, yeah. her skin's all gray, like, very, very, uh, like, very crazy scene for these kids to come across oh yeah and then so before they can really process it they hear voices like coming out of that little guard like the like the the stable house guard room whatever like they hear voices well and they're they're human voices but cody what comes out of that door is not human at all no we got some uh some demons some like monsters we're up to our elbows cody and monsters (laughs) that's right we got now, of course, we got Mother Isabella. She actually is a human, believe it or not, uh, mm-hmm. despite her behavior. Uh, <laughs> only in the academic sense. That's right. Um, and there's these demons, and we kind of—it's basically brought to our attention that, like, these kids are being raised to be meat for like these like mm-hmm. higher up demons. Um, and we hear talks about like a, the one who's like I guess like the, the 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 demon king, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like th- these children, like, they're being tested, and they're being, like, raised on this, like, actual, quote-unquote, farm. It's not really much of an orphanage. Like, these kids are being raised like cattle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we find out that these kids, because, like, that they basically, that they're they're literally livestock. They are food for these demons. Yeah, and... And... Oh, I'm sorry, Cody, go ahead, please. Well, basically, please, I insist. Like, while these demons are talking... The, the one of them catches like a smell, uh, of course. Oh, you know he catches a whiff of our our two, our two kids, Emma and Norman. And uh, fortunately for them, they somehow you know you don't get to see how they sneak out of there, but it, it kind of it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Which pretty much from here on out, the show is like that. If you're on the edge of your seat, and I well, and like they leave the bunny blink. behind. Yeah, they leave the bunny behind, but they they skid out a lot of there. Um, oh man. Dude, and what a great scene, dude. Like, they're running back to the house. Like, they don't have time to process what they saw. Yeah, and they're, and like, like, running and crying and, like, <laughs> but you oh, can't dude, stop because, like, yeah, you got literal yeah. monsters out here. Um, and they yeah, basically want to get back to the house before, like, cause, and they, they also saw Mother Isabella there. So, like, they know that, that she's involved in whatever this is. Yeah, and, like, I mean, their whole life has basically changed before them because they've been raised on this house since they were babies. Mm-hmm. And, like... I don't know. It's crazy, man. This is like, you you thought finding out Santa Claus wasn't real was bad. I mean, this is, <laughs> dude, <laughs> this is something. Oh my god, <laughs> can't even imagine. Um, well, and I think here, Cody, I think this is where we start noticing the markings on their necks. Um, because up until this point, I don't remember ever really either either paying attention to them or if we could even see that yeah. they've all got like this brand on their neck. Yeah, we could see it um, before, but now it it starts to seem like when I first noticed it, I was like, kind of fucked up. Why do all these kids in this orphanage have like almost like prison tattoos with like numbers on their neck? And I'm like, what, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on here? Like these are just little kids. Um, but yeah, basically they so Norman and Edma they uh they get away, um, and this episode kind of comes to a close with uh. 
Mother Isabella discovering the, the stuffed toy that Emma had left like near oh, the truck. Man. Which she knows that she didn't bring that with her and Connie didn't have it with her. So mm-hmm. like she has like this crazy look in her eye and uh kinda where our well, first episode. Mama knows that somebody knows. Yeah, and Norman and Emma basically they kind of agree that they're not gonna tell the other kids yet. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, I mean, they're trying to process it, kind of like you mentioned, because they haven't really had a chance to. Yeah, they got to play this shit by the straight and narrow. But man, Chris, what a what a first episode! I was fucking, I'm all in, dude, dude. I was. This was literally nothing what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I did not. I mean, it blew me away. I was all in. I I like yeah. I told you before the cast. I think I've watched this like two and a half times already. Just this first season, like it is, it is that good. Dude, my like I said, um, I watched the first episode, and my wife gets out of bed out because I'm watching it like pretty early in the morning, and my wife gets out of bed, and I was like, "Babe, what what I'm watching here is so good," and I start telling her what's going on the first episode, um, and we take our dog out, and we come back in, and she sits down, and her eyes are glued to the TV, and like. We both just get into this show and we just we binge it the whole day and we're just like, oh my god, this is so good. Yeah, it it really caught me by surprise and um, yeah, not not to get too too sidetracked here. Um, basically, from here on out, Chris, we're we're planning a a prison break, like an escape. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, because we we have to because when you go into episode two here, Cody, this is where like the kids discover like kind of the method to the madness here we find out that they're like their kids are like shipped like based on like ages and test scores and like they they are they start like digging in obviously they're doing this trying to not alert mother that it was them out by the gate Mm -hmm. yeah and like but like you said like they figure out that you know the lower test scores you're usually gone earlier due to like i guess like your brains because mm-hmm. like, apparently the brains are the best part. It is definitely the filet mignon. Yeah, and so of, of course, the... of course, Emma, Norman, and Ray being like, well, I guess Ray doesn't know quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. They bring him in here in a minute. Um, but Emma and Norman, they're you know they're eleven years old. They know everybody at twelve is gone. Now they know where all the twelve year olds are going. They know where all the kids with the low scores are going. Like, yep. And like, I love how they they not to cut you off there, there but like go. there was kind of this thing where it's like. You know, how come we haven't heard from anybody? Like, you know, we have, like, we're, like, this is where it kind of, you know, I was making the pun earlier, like, they they feel like a family. They're like, you know, how come no one's ever written us? How come no one's ever, you know, and they're like, well, maybe it's out of respect for the new foster families or whatever that they're in. But now we fucking know why no one's ever written them, because they don't make it outside the gate. Yeah, which is, like, it just gets darker and darker the more we go. Um Mm-hmm. And so basically they, they know that, like, there's not going to be another shipment for another two months because that's how they figure out kind of like the schedule, which they've known the schedule, yep. kind of how it works. Um, but yeah, when they're playing, now they're, they keep playing tag every day. That's, like, their their thing they do. They have, like, you know, they take their tests and they have their meals and all that. But, like, when they have their free time, they just go out and play tag pretty much all day. Um, and so while they're out running around, they kind of... They hop the fence that they're, it's not like a very high fence. It's just like a little, you know, probably yeah, like, like a little waist high mm-hmm. metal fence. They hop that and they run out and they just want to see like, you know, is there any escape route we can take? 
Well, then they come across this fucking giant concrete wall, Chris. Oh, dude, Cody, yeah, this thing is high <laughs> up there. That's probably a good, like, what, 10, 20 feet high wall? Oh, yeah. And they still, but they, they're like, oh, no, we can get rope. We can make some rope, and we can use this to, to you know, get out of here. Um, but what I love here, Cody, is, like, they're going through the forest, and then just this wall shows up. And it, it talk about, like, just a moment where the wind is taken out of your sails. And I'm just like, all right. Now shit seems really, really off. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't all, it was already off, but now it's like, all right. It, I guess it kind of hit home that like they are trapped here. Yeah. It almost felt like pretty hopeless for him at this point. Yes, absolutely. Um, and while this is going on, I, I, I do want to touch on like some of the camera angles that this show has is very like cool. Like in this scene where they're, where they're coming across the concrete wall, you kind of get the sense that there's somebody watching them. Like yes, the, like, like through the yeah, like the camera's almost like hiding in the bushes, uh, which we later mm -hmm. find out is just Ray kind of kind of eavesdropping on them. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, like even when they're walking through the house trying to be quiet, you get like almost a first person kind of camera angle. Um, Dude, and I love the way, uh, like the like the backgrounds kind of move with the characters. Yeah, I agree mm -hmm. with that. A very like first person kind of somebody walking behind the main character angles, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, so like not only is the story good, but like the the I, I guess you call it the direction. Yeah. Of how it's like being I say filmed, but you know, it's actually just being animated, but like they make it I they do some stuff in the show that I've never seen done in another anime ever. Uh, which is mm -hmm. very unique and very awesome. Um but anyhow, they they find out that they're like, okay, so there's this rope. We think we can scale, or this wall, excuse me. They think they can scale it with a rope. Um, later on that day, they find out, they see Isabella. Like, I want to say one of the kids gets lost. Um, mm -hmm. And they see Mother Isabella, like, take out this, like, it almost looks like a compass or like a like a pocket mirror. Um, and they kind of put two and two together because she comes back immediately with the, the kid that's lost. He's like, oh, he just fell asleep, you know, no big deal. Like, she goes straight to where this kid was, and, like, they figure out, okay, she's got, we have a tracking device on us somewhere. Like, we've been shipped, like, a fucking, like, a, yep. like a puppy or something, like. Because the kids were like, Mom always knows how to find us. She can always, she's never not been able to find us. And it's like, yep, that's when they're like, yep, they can track us. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, how can Mom find us? Oh, she has a tracking device. It's like, yeah, all well, these questions that they had, like, why doesn't anybody write to us? Well, they've all been killed, so. Yeah. Like, you get all your questions answered, and it's always, like, a dark, has a very dark, like, tone to it. Um, and, and I love the fact that the kids deduce this, because, I mean, like, again, these are very intelligent children. Like, these are these guys are, like, these kids are, like, the pick of the litter. Mm -hmm. They are the, the top scores, top of their class, everything. So, like, when something seems off, they're just like, that's what it is. There's fine, There's no other reason for it. Yeah, they are definitely some smart kids, and uh, they basically start to take some tablecloths and mm -hmm. make ropes out of, like, like a long rope to escape with. Um, and that's when Ray kind of comes out, and we realize that he's the one that's kind of been, you know, spying on them. And uh, mm -hmm. it, they basically, you know, they spill the beans to Ray, um, and they're like, "All right, we got to try and escape." And Emma's very like stern on the fact that she wants to escape with everybody. Oh yeah, which Ray is like. Are you stupid? Which, like, and, like, I, I, he has a point because, like, you know, they got kid kids, like, little baby kids, like, under the age of four. 
Um, even like there's a new baby that gets introduced named Carol that's like just an infant. So like, yep. And he's like, I don't know how we're gonna pull this off. Like this could get us all killed. Mm-hmm. But he agrees, and like they, we got our our, our three man group here. And uh, yeah, but I love what they do here. Um, because oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I think this episode ends with um with them inter- being introduced to the second adult they've ever seen in their life. Yeah, sister Crona. Uh, sister Crona. Yeah, she Boy. she talk about a sturdy woman. She is a she's a big <laughs> gal. She kind of gives us gives off these vibes of like. Clearly, Mother Isabella knows that, like, because we, we get some more context with them, but, like, it's like, okay, she's brought in this person to to weed out the shitty kids that did this, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and she immediately poses a threat to our, to our group of kids here. Um, oh, yes. And she is a creepy bitch, man. <laughs> she is just... Dude, she's, she's a weird one. She's got some... Because we see a lot with her going on uh, with her little baby doll that she has, but I love, I love the revelation we get later on with with mothers in general. So we'll we'll come back to that. Yeah. So like episode three, we pick up now our our three heroes here. They're they're basically just re reevaluating their plans. Um, they know they've mm-hmm. been they have tracking devices. They know that Mother Isabella is definitely suspicious suspicious of them. Um, mm-hmm. And now with Sister Crona, like. It makes it even that much harder. Um, and plus, like, you got this new, the new baby, like, Carol is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how are you going to get a baby out of there? Um, but yeah, like you, like you said, we get to see more about, like, the ranking system between these adults. Because it seems like it goes, like, sister, mother, and, like, grandma. It, it seems like the, the, the highest. Yep. Grandmother seems like the, like, the, the... For lack of a better word to use, she like the grandmother runs the mothers. The mothers have assistants, and there is clearly a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like Sister Corona, clearly, she's a little cuckoo. Let's be honest, because she like talks to like this, this stuffed baby doll, and she like clearly wants to be a mother of a house. Um, yep. And we get a cool little revelation here. Obviously, they they know they're being tracked. They don't know where the trackers are in their body, like. You, you you notice Emma because that, that's kind of what Emma's doing. She's like, all right, I'm gonna find the trackers. While I want to say Norman and Ray are working on something else, um, and they're like helping to start train the other kids without them knowing. They're basically just yep. So I love them. the idea. Yeah, they're like just teaching them how to like hide better and like how to like just strategy yeah. to play tag, not knowing that they're gonna use this to help them escape. And I love the idea. It has a, it's a very karate kid type situation, right? Where it's like, it's, it's, it's the wax on wax off, dude. You think you're just playing tag, but nah, dude, you're learning how to escape. You're not just washing my car. You're learning how you're learning karate. Mm-hmm. And I love that Emma, cause she's taking care of Carol in the nursery and she sees this lump behind her left ear or right ear. It doesn't matter. It's behind her ear. Um, and that's the tracking device. Yeah, so they, so they found the tracking device. Yeah, so now they know like why they couldn't find a scar because it's behind their ears. Like when they, because mm-hmm. they looked on their bodies to try and see, um, which I originally thought it was gonna be somewhere with like where their numbers are on their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought, um, I'm glad you said that, Cody, because I thought the same thing. Because remember in the first episode when they're like, 
it, it, it flashes to them taking a test and they're like using these pins to scan like barcodes, which I lie, that's really the first piece of technology we actually see. They're, they're taking these like electronic tests mm-hmm. and they're scanning these barcodes. I was like, their numbers are like these barcode kind of computerized, like that's how they track them. But right. I was wrong once again. Yeah, but um, yeah, so she's found the where the tracking device is, and then like she kind of goes out to continue playing tag with the other kids, mm-hmm. ma- mainly just training the other kids. And this is when Sister Crona goes out and kind of takes these kids to school, Chris, because she oh, dude, she she is, can for a big lady, a she can haul ass, <laughs> dude. When she starts like, I was like, okay, these these mothers aren't just. Like, they clearly train these women how to fight. Yes. Like, there is clearly some, like, I thought there was, like, some combat and weapons training involved here. Because, like, she, like, not only does she know how to, like, well, A, she's fast as fuck. B, she, like, just insane at tag. Like, she just rounds all the kids up, dude. Yeah, she she <laughs> she is good at what she's doing. Uh, she catches all the kids except for Norman and Ray, which is, you know, it's good for our heroes, but, you know, they outsmart her. Clearly the other kids still need some training. here. Um, But this episode kind of comes, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and this is, um, and uh, wait, that's where the episode is, what you were probably getting ready to say, where like, they they suspect that there's another kid might be like working as a spy for, uh, I guess for either Krona or Isabella. They feel like somebody's feeding them information. Uh-huh. Well, it's because of uh has something to do with um it has something to do with like the rope, um because Norman, uh we see well, wait a minute let me skip back for a little bit because um when Norman and Ray pretty much outlast Krona, she is like I think these are the kids, um I need to watch out for these two these kids are impressive, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and then I want to say it goes to it, I think this is the episode where it goes to the night and we see a note. Go under Isabel's office door. That's right. That's right. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was this episode. Um, I, I can't remember if it is either. Because no, like... I think you are right. I think you are. Um, but yeah, you see a note go under. Like, is it Isabella's door or is it? Yeah, it, it's Isabella's. Well, we we it's Isabella's door. But we that's also right. we we we've, we forgot to mention our two kind of made side characters, Gilda and Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of um, like the next oldest. I want to say they're like 10 years old. Yeah, and th- I want to say this is th- around this time is when they're kind of made aware of what's going on. I can't remember if that's this episode or the next episode. Yeah, it's it, but honestly these episodes kind of bleed together. Um Yeah, it's just one which, continuous because the pacing in this show is great because the reason we think it's I think it's in this episode because Emma is watching Gilda because Ray thinks there's a spy. Or not Ray. Norman thinks there's a spy. Emma thinks it might be Gilda because when they go to bed, Gilda gets up and leaves the bedroom and she follows her. And Gilda ends up in Sister Crona's room. Right. And, and then we see a note go under another door because we find out that, you know, Crona's like, just, she's like, like, barking at Gilda like okay so the kids know what's up so you guys know what's what the truth is what are we going to do with you is it them is it nor like really like ask her all these questions and and like uh, Emma's outside the door like oh shit the jig's up and 
Gilda's like, I do not know what you're talking about. You're insane. You know, I don't need to talk to you about anything. Why are you bothering me? Please leave me alone to Sister Crona. And that's when Emma's outside. She's like, yes, it's not Gilda. So they're they're able to eliminate her. Yeah. And, and it's in the... And then I want to say it's the next episode, which I think you're about to say, is where Norman kind of comes up with a plan mm-hmm. where, where he's like going to put the rope in like two different areas and tell each one of them where it's going to be. Yep. Um, and whichever yeah. rope. Norman's is... so fucking smart. Norman's probably my favorite character in this show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he is two steps ahead of everybody. And so he yep. like he tells Ray, he's like, all right, I'm gonna put this rope here for Gilda, this rope here for Dan or for Don. Mm-hmm. Dan or Don, one one of the two. Uh, uh, it's Don. 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 And he's like, you know, whichever one comes up missing, you know, it's we know who the traitor is. Um, and. <laughs> Unfortunately for our boy Ray, he kind of falls for this, and he kind of tries to set a trap for Don, like to get him accused. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some more stuff that happens in this episode as well, which we'll get to. Um, but basically, uh, Norman kind of reveals to Ray towards the end of this episode, he's like, "Hey, you're the traitor, because uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually put the ropes in those areas. I actually put them here and here, so I know that you tried to frame Don." Yep. And now we find out the big plot twist, Chris, which is revealed that Ray is actually the inside man for Mother Isabella. Yep. Ray what? is that, but but it it it's he's not just the inside man, dude. My man's doing like a triple swerve here. Oh yeah, he's doing the double triple agent, you know. Um, but it, it definitely like just when you thought the show couldn't have you on the edge of your seat even more, you find out that one of our main group is been working with the bad guys this whole time it's like holy shit man mm-hmm. and, I, and, and i love i'm, I'm off the, the seat at this point i'm just standing dude <laughs> I, absolutely and i love in this episode too that like the don and don and gilda still think that like connie and the other kids are alive and like the the norman ray and emma are kind of at this crossroads right like I want to say Ray wants to tell them that they're dead, but Norman's like, nah. Or I want to say Norm. It's I want to say, or maybe it's Norman that wants to tell them. Um, no, 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 no. Norman's the one who does not want to tell them that they're dead. Like, just feed them from the long end of the spoon for now, because like I still feel like they they don't want to bring too many people on board, especially now that especially with Norman suspecting there's a spy, he kind of wants to feed everybody from the long end of the spoon, except for Emma. Yeah, and then, uh, like I said, he he lays the trap, figures out, uh, figure out that Ray is actually the one that's mm-hmm. being the traitor. Um, yeah, and we're going right into episode five at this point. Yeah, dude, it's really hard to pick or to remember which episode is which because honestly, this whole story kind of goes together. This could honestly, like, we could talk about this thing overall, like an overarching mm-hmm. form. Um, but anyhow, um, we get the talk between Norman and Ray, because he accuses him at the end of episode four, like that he's the traitor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ray explains, like he volunteered to like be her informant. Uh, basically because he wanted to, because like, she gives him like gifts and shit. Like she gives him a camera later and he, she ba- he mm-hmm. basically gets rewarded for kind of being like, a like stooge. a stooge, like a teacher's pet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they have a little talk and, um, Ray's, yeah, de- Ray's definitely still on board with the plan. Like, he still wants to escape. He knows crooked shit is happening here. 
Uh, yeah, and he's known for a long time. That's the big thing. He's known for like six years what's been going on. And basically this whole time, he just kind of reveals that he's been lying in wait. Like, he's been doing this because he knows what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, of course, like, eventually they have to break the news to Emma because mm-hmm. well, she's kind of shocked by this. But, like, she still, like, has faith in him. Like, she, excuse me. Yeah. Got the beer burps on. Um, That's all right. Beer hiccups. Uh, but, yeah, she definitely, like, still has faith in Ray. Um, and, yeah, so they're, they're, the plan is still going along somewhat smoothly, mm-hmm. I will say. Um, I think it's in this episode where they also name, like, uh, Don and Gilda as, like, I think they call them, like, team leaders. Where they could, yep. that, that way they they kind of learn the, the routines. Like, they learn different patterns on how to, like, escape and run away. And, like, the, every episode they're playing mm-hmm. tag. So, like, they're just constantly just training these kids to, like, you know, run faster, jump higher. Like, you know, your typical, like, I, I guess I shouldn't say typical, but, like, your, your training exercises, uh, for lack of a better term. Yep. And during these, these couple episodes here where we're kind of going, we're kind of bleeding into five, six, and seven here. Um, while this, this is going on with the kids, there's Krona is desperately trying to become a mom of this house. The What's so important about this plant, this farm that they're on, is this farm is like the one. This is the one that's renowned for the quality they put out. This is a farm that's quality over quantity. And Krona wants to lead this house. She wants to pretty much get Isabel out of here. And she hopes that by uncovering this mystery of who these kids are, that she'll be able to run this house because this happened under Isabel's watch. Yeah, and I can't remember. Is it this episode where she actually meets up with the kids? Or no, I guess it's... Uh, no, that's episode... Uh, that's episode seven. Like I said, this is all okay. kind of... Um... Okay, I'm getting a little bit too far ahead of myself. That's right. That's okay. Ray kind of informs them that, like, Sister Krona was brought in to, like, kind of keep a keep an eye on Ray as well, because yep. Mother Isabella kind of doesn't trust him as much as she used to. Um, mm-hmm. But anyhow, like you, like you see, like you said, Krona's kind of like, she's trying to plot a way to get rid of Isabel because she gets rid of her, she might get promoted to to be the new mother yeah. of this house. She wants to be a mom very badly. Yeah, almost like in a, like, psycho. To an insane like, Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, one of the things happening here too, Cody, um, that I really like is, um, we kind of hit this kind of crossroads where Don... And well, we we catch wind of a of a secret room in Isabel's office, because we 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 get a flash a couple times where she's communicating with somebody via like this old, like almost like a transistor type radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emma, being the smart gal that she is, she's like, "There's something here around this wall in this hallway," because she's always here at this time. But she's you know like she's able to deduce that there's something there. Um, and at this point, Don and Gilda, more so Don is kind of pissed that they were lied to about, uh, well, no, they don't know that yet. Uh, they, um, they actually try to go find this secret room, even though like Norman, everybody was like, no, don't do it. You know, we need to play this safe. But Don being the headstrong kid that he is, he, they, they sneak into Isabel's office. Uh, they find like the bookshelf that can move and they find the secret door to this room. Um, 
And um, I want to say they're able to pilfer like a key off of Isabel. Like, you know, because they're running around the halls, they're doing stuff, and they're able to, he Don, gets, does the old pickpocket trick, right? Bumps into her and gets the key to that room, that locked room. Um, and inside that locked room, there's like a staircase that goes down. And this is where they get the, the reveal, where Don, like, sees all the trinkets and toys. There's like a shelf. All the kids that have left, like Mr. Bunny sitting on that shelf and, like, stuff from the other kids. And this is when he kind of comes to the conclusion that they're dead. And the other kids knew, like, Ray, Norman, and Emma knew that these kids were dead, but didn't trust them enough to tell them. So, Don's pretty pissed. Yeah, and now now it's starting, like, they, they know everything now. Um, mm-hmm. And while while they're trying not to get caught inside a mother's little secret room, uh, Norman, uh, Emma, and Ray, excuse me, they're all like looking around in the library and they, they're finding like these book plates, which I'm not Yeah, sure. they have like Morse code on them. Yeah, it's almost like a stamp at the beginning of a book. I'm not sure if that's what a book plate actually is. I don't, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a big book guy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I don't do books. What am I saying here? But a lot of the Can books. Can I read? Maybe. There's several of the books that are from the same name. This William Minerva had like, they're like mm-hmm. gifts from him. Uh, yep. And like you said, they're like the ring around the, it's like an owl logo, I want to say. Um, but like the ring around it is actually Morse code. The kids find out. And mm-hmm. so they kind of start using this to kind of piece together like this puzzle of like, it's almost like they're, it's like hints and like ways to help out the kids, like almost escape. Um, so they're very interested in this William Minerva person. Like maybe he's on the outside and he wants to help us. And like, this is his mm-hmm. way of like sneaking, you know, little messages into the, to the uh, yep. farm. <laughs> and we know these books are recent because some of them were published back in 20... I guess when I say recent, some of them are like 2015. So they're not like these old archaic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Emma Emma is the one that came across this. And, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so they, they find this and they start using this to like figure out the Morse code and like... It, they're, now they're searching through the library, all this stuff. Uh, when they come across certain words, like words like um, trust, um, monster, like they find like, the Morse code, like the Morse code message spells out a particular word that they, they kind of have some rhyme or reason, but nothing really. The kids are kind of baffled. Like, what do they mean? Trust, defense or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Don and Gilda... They they come back and they like kind of tell him what happened and Norman and Ray are kind of pissed at him but then they Norman ends up deciding to tell him like the full truth, um, like well, telling him like they, they uh, come to blows here, don't oh, they? Oh yeah, Don fucking lays out Norman and Ray, gives him the old fucking <laughs> one two. <laughs> and I think doesn't doesn't he like go to hit Emma too or some shit? Like he's getting ready to go like hit her. <laughs> I think too he raises his he... hand, but he doesn't actually like go through with it. Yeah, he's um, ready to old fucking send her packing too. Yeah, but he, he, he definitely, like, he apologized, and he kind of comes to term that, like, it's because he was, like, he kind of blames himself. He says he's, like, weak and useless, and, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's pretty hard on himself, but obviously he's, he's very upset because his brothers his and sisters died. have been, yeah, getting shipped off to be demon food. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so they all cool off, everybody's good, and the, the plan just continues to go into motion. Um. Now they got five people in on the job, and, uh, yeah, 
We're uh, moving. We are moving right along, man. Yep. So, oh, go ahead. This is where, um, now, they they they. This is the episode. Episode six here is when they're coming up with kind of like almost like um, like a plan within a plan. They they they've got like random chemicals and things. They're basically doing these these kind of they they're. they're they've got a false plan that Ray can feed to Isabel to kind of get her into position where they need her to be. So I want to say, so the kids can, um, uh, it's basically just to help with the escape. We get Ray doing some, yeah. some double agent work. He kind of says like, that he essentially tells Isabella that Norman's planning to kill her. Um, mm-hmm. meanwhile, you got Don, he's stealing chemicals. He, it, like, you got a lot of different plans going on here, but it's all part of Norman's plan. Like, Norman is running the whole show. Like, he's he's leaving things for Ray to give to Isabella, and, like, mm-hmm. it's all just a big, kind of just a distraction to kind of steer her off course. Because uh, they yep. know that she's suspecting of, of these kids. Yep, but the two big reveals in this episode, Cody, is that Ray is the next one to be shipped out. And we get some some fun Krona backstory here, um, going into episode seven. That um, so basically Krona offers to join forces, um, because th- really they can all get what they want. The kids can escape, and you know she can use the kids escaping to kind of overthrow Isabel from the house, um. And this is where we get like a really neat reveal of how mothers become mothers. So basically when you're a girl and you're 12 years old, when it's time for you to be shipped out, if you, if you get the recommendation from mother, which we see later on involves literally a little conversation. um, Basically you're given a choice at the gate. You can either become demon food or you can go with grandmother and go through the process of becoming a mother, which is like, it, it kind of goes through Krona making that same choice where we see her grow up. We see her like have these kind of these academic classes. She's doing like judo, like she's training. Like it's, it's essentially like a, almost like a lifelong boot camp. And then you're shipped off to your assignment, um, either as an assistant or as a mother. And we find out too that you know Krona they that the, the they have tracking devices embedded in their chest that basically if they try to remove it it'll stop their heart but also too if their heart stops the the um the device will actually alert the guards and alert the higher ups that something has happened to this person either a to find out to replace them or to find out if something has gone wrong so She's kind of stuck. Emma, uh, not Emma, but Krona has made her choice in life, and she's kind of stuck, and she's going to go ahead and try to become the mom that she wants to be. Yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, you either die. It's a tragedy. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, you either die or you raise kids to go die. Like, not a very, two very horrible options here. Um, but yeah, she she's definitely, like, on... She's definitely genuine in her. Uh, yeah, because she her, like, offers the answer. Yeah, and she offers the you know, the kids ask her questions. She gives them answers, but the kids do think like specifically Norman thinks they're like, all right, they're they're definitely feeding us. She's feeding us from the long end of the spoon. She's not lying to us, but she's not telling us everything. 
Right, which is kind of how the kids are acting too. But she basically informs them that there's humans outside that aren't being being eaten, and like you basically got to try and mm-hmm. find them. Uh, yeah. But uh, and then they kind of they they chat back and forth. Like the kids tell them they know about the tracking devices. Um, they know mm-hmm. like, where they are. They know how to break them. Um, and then Chris, we flash over to our boy Ray, who gets his final gift from for being a spy to mother. Yeah, the old Polaroid camera. I That's love right. it. That's right. And uh, she basically, she basically like, kind of cuts him off. She's like, you know, our deal is over. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because obviously she's she's suspicious of him, um, so she kind of, this is like her 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 last gift to him. Oh. Yeah, it turns out Ray is just getting these. I, I don't know what all he gets. He has a camera and then like some other stuff. I think he gets like a book and a few other things. But like he's actually using yeah, just a these, bunch of trinkets and doodads. He's using these to try and like figure out a way to remove the tracking devices or at least like disarm them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yeah, so. They got that going on. Um. Yeah, because this is where... So, this is the next day where they're going to attempt to scale the wall. Um, And I'm trying to think what happens here. Um, I'm trying to remember how this, how this episode actually ends. Because they don't, they don't scale the wall here yet. Oh, that's right. This episode ends with... Uh, Sister Krona actually ends up getting... Uh, sent away from the from the farm because Mama. Yeah, she actually. Yeah, her and Isabel have a conversation. Isabel's like, "Hey, I've got new orders for you. You're gonna be uh, you're getting promoted. Effective yeah. immediately." Yeah. Well, like... yeah, because that's right. I remember because she, Corona gets a knock on her door while she's doing something. She has like this. She's she knows something isn't right. She's leaving like something for the kids. And they knock on her door, and it's Isabel with like a little like knife letter. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh shit, she's just gonna kill Crona right here. And Crona thinks the same thing, but she's like, there's a letter for you from from headquarters, and it's a letter opener. And she opens it up, and she realizes, oh, she's got new orders. She's gonna be transferred over to Plant Four, uh, to be the new mother of Plant Four. Yeah, so she she technically gets her her wish to be a mother, but mm-hmm. she obviously she wanted to be the mother of this place, um, mm-hmm. but. Unfortunately for her, she is being shipped off to, like, like you said, it's like farm number four. Um, and unfortunately for our kids, like, just when this threat becomes like a an ally, you know, she gets shipped off to a, to a new uh, a new farm. So, yep. And and Krona's not stupid. She's like she's shipping me off to a new plant because she she knows that I'm try I'm vying for her job, right? So I think the idea is is you know. Because I want to say she is actually aware. Uh, like Sister, Sister Isabel has had the conversation with Crona. It's like, yeah, I know some of the kids have done it. I know some of the kids are aware. But it's okay. It's fine. It, everything is under control. Nobody's acting out. Every, the day-to-day is fine. So, it, it you know, Crona's concerned that Isabel's not handling this major security breach that's happening, right? So... She's going to use this opportunity when she gets shipped off to meet grandma at the gate to like tell grandma that like, hey, there's some shit going down here with Isabel and kids who know what's going on. So, but she leaves a package. Um, she sticks it in her drawer in her desk as she's packing up and leaving Cody. And um, 
She's met at the gate with Grandma. Um, but Cody, she's um, she's not going to Plant Four. Yeah, Grandma's not coming to give her the the promotion, the congratulations paper. She is uh, she's gonna die here. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, basically Grandma tells her it's like you know, I can't have you interfering with what Isabel's doing. It doesn't matter what's going on here. This this is the top plant. We can't we can't disrupt that. It's all about quantity, quality over quantity, and we can't have you rock. Basically, Grandma's like we can't have you rocking the boat here. So um, it's like a you know you know what you know. You're more of an obstacle than a, than than helpful. So you're have de- a snack, boys. Yeah, you're demon food now. And I guess I jumped yep. ahead of myself on that last episode. Guys, mm-hmm. here is the episode where Mother Isabel actually informs Ray that she's gotten rid of Sister Crona, and that mm-hmm. this is where she informs them that their deal is over, like their little yeah, you're gonna We're spy done. for me on these other kids because she knows he's in on he he's in on the like the, mm-hmm. the escape. Oh. And yep, she actually basically she even locks him in a room, like yeah, because like the kids they're having like they have like this plan set up where like. I want to say Ray will distract Mom while Emma and Norman can go, like, check, like, really scope out the wall and, like, get up on top of it and see what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, a whole plan where, like, Don and Gilda will be waiting outside. So, like, mm-hmm. if Ray and Mom come out, Don will, like, take off into the forest to go inform the other kids, hey, you know, <laughs> stop the plan, get back to into, like, into range of the, uh, the little tracking device thing, like, make sure you're not on the other side of the fence, basically. Uh, while they're waiting outside, they're, they're like, we don't see a sign from Ray yet. Ray's locked in the room. Mother comes out, and she's clearly, like, <laughs> she is off to find Emma and Norman. So, and find them she does at the wall, sir. Yeah, so, like, Don breaks through the door and rescues Ray. Uh, meanwhile, we, we go to, like, uh, Norman and Emma, and I can't remember. Have they made it? Did they actually get up on the wall in this episode? Or... No, not yet. Okay, yeah, no okay. one. Um, nobody's seen what's up on the wall yet. Um, because okay. that doesn't happen until um the episode and... until after this, because um, because this is the episode where like basically she they're getting they're they're trying to scale the wall. They're getting ready to scale the wall, and is mother's like, just give up. Yeah, because there's nothing. Yeah, they, I'm two they, steps ahead of you. Yeah, they sense her coming, so they like hop down, hide the rope. Yeah, she like tosses it like in the like in the woods, and um, mother's like, just stop. Like, there's nothing you can do. It's it's you know basically just saying it's hopeless, and you just need to give up and just accept this fate. Um, but they don't want to, and um, Emma actually like you know she she grabs. Emma grabs Isabel and basically tells Norman to book it, but Isabel like fucking breaks Emma's leg and like throws her on the ground, and that like stops everybody dead in their tracks. Yeah, this, I was shocked. I was like, "Holy shit, Mama!" Because well, is... like you heard like the crunch of something breaking, and my wife was in the kitchen like getting herself something to drink. She was like, "Did somebody just die?" <laughs> and I was like, "No," but uh, Emma got her leg broken. Yeah, and like. She she reiterates that like these are the best quality meat like these kids are and uh, mm-hmm. and Norman you're gonna be shipped out tomorrow <laughs> like yeah breaks Emma's yep. leg tells Norman you're gone tomorrow it's like holy shit like yep these kids and this is where when they think they get like a, a step ahead of her she's just like nah 
Nope. Dude, yeah, because because basically it's the next night that um they like basically they tell Norman to. I'm trying to remember if it is it Norman. Or... Yeah, it's it's Norman. Basically tells Norman to go during the night to escape. Um, because they're not going to ship off Emma. Emma actually gets a reprieve at this point. Until she she'll never be shipped until her leg heals. So yeah, they're basically they have this. They're kind of like, hey Norman, we can get rid of your tracking device and you can run tonight. And then this is the same night Emma broke her leg because like the next yep. night he's going to get shipped off. So like they think that he leaves to to kind of like do this. Um, yep, and they're like, Ray, you can break your arm. Ray, you can totally break your arm, and they won't ship you either because they need us. Like we're food; we, they want us pristine. Like they don't want to hurt. Like we're the the word that was used was valuable merchandise. Yeah, and they kind of want to use this as like a plan. Um, that way, they can kind of stall. You know, maybe maybe Norman can get out now, and then we can get out later when we're healed. Um, yep. So this Cody is where Norman leaves that night. He actually he gets a good. A good little he he ties the rope around the tree. He goes out that night. He ties the rope around a tree. He scales the wall, Cody. He gets to the top of the wall, and and fuck. Yeah, we we see what what's on the other side of this wall, Chris. It is just a a, a giant like crevice in in the ground. <laughs> yep, that is. I, I don't I mean it it's far. Like you can't you're not jumping this thing. You're not you're not getting on your skateboard and jumping Springfield Gorge, my man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, if, uh, I don't even know if Sister Krona could jump this this fucking I don't thing. think she could. She she'd give it a hell of a shot though, but I don't think even she could jump it. And basically you look you know, you see from the left and the right that basically this gorge kind of encompasses the entire wall. Yeah. And yeah, so we are even more hopeless if we weren't hopeless to begin with. Uh, and we should probably mention, I, I kind of skimmed over it. Um, mm -hmm. Ray kind of admits to Emma and Norman while Emma's, you know, kind of laid up in her little like, hospital bed. Uh, mm -hmm. That he is, he has like infant amnesia is what I think it's technically called, but it's like he, most kids, like obviously we don't remember all of our memories. Uh, growing up, we remember mm -hmm. like certain moments, but he seems to remember like everything. Yeah, he remembers being in the womb and everything, which is important later. Right. Um, so we'll just put a we'll put a pin in that for now. Um, but mm -hmm. he he clearly like he knows that he wasn't. He remembers like passing through the gate and coming to the farm as a child, like as a young young kid. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So like we said, you know Norman hops up on the on the top of the wall, and we see like we're even more hopeless. Um, and basically, when the other kids go out. I don't know if they're going out to play or something like that, but like mother's like, mm -hmm. "Hey, where's Norman at?" You know, because she she doesn't see him with his usual group of friends, and the kids are like, you know, Emma and Ray are like, "Yay, he got away! It's so good he got away!" And then next thing you know, here comes Norman pulling on up, like, "Yeah, I'm right here, bumping up the hill." And they're like, obviously, they're like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" Like, you were supposed to escape. Um, and then mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes into episode nine. Uh, like I oh said, no, we're we're uh, yeah, we're going into episode ten, my man. Are we in episode ten? We're in episode ten, baby. Now they just roll right together here. Uh, they do, man. They roll. They go down smooth like this. Uh, this delicious Corona extra. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, basically they're like, you know, when they get uh, alone, they're like, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to be gone. 
and he's yeah, like, and he's, just, he, he's like, he tells him what's up, guys. Look, this is uh, the jig is up. We can't, we can't do this, pretty much. Um, so it gives him back a giant crevice. The only, there's only one way in or out, and that's the guardhouse and the bridge. Yeah, and, and this is where it, you know it kind of hits you like there's no way for Norman to escape at this point. Yeah, if Norman's given up, then it's just like, oh boy. Yeah, because like they say their goodbyes and all this stuff, and like you kind of get to like the Connie scene that we saw in the first episode, where like everybody's saying their goodbyes, and like Emma in her last ditch effort tries to like jump at Norman, even with the broken leg, and like tries to use the device on him to like break the tracker mm-hmm. and like help him escape, and he like catches her hand. And he's like, no, he's like, this, that would jeopardize everything that like everything that you guys were planning on doing. We're not going to waste it on me. Yep, and basically tells Emma to not give up. Like, um, yeah, dude. And so basically, and I, I like here when, so he says goodbye to everybody. Ray's clearly not in the room. Ray doesn't want to be around to see it. And what I like here, Cody, is when Mom picks up his suitcase and they get outside and Isabel's like, your suitcase is empty. And Norman's like, well, I don't need anything. Why, why, would, I, why would I pack with stuff? I don't need anything. Yep. Which yeah. I thought was cool. Yeah, very, like... And this is a somber, like, slow yeah. walk, like we... And I want to say, like, him and Isabel, like, have a conversation. I can't really remember the details of the conversation. But they're, um... Like, and I think, like, Isabel's, like, basically saying, like, you know I do love all of you children. Like, you know, basically, like, it just... You know, just kind of does the whole, like, righteous, but... You know, you're just like, go fuck yourself, lady, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're back at the gate, Cody, with that infamous truck yet again. And uh, we come over to the, the side door, and she's like, please wait in here. And the last, this is the last scene we get to see a Norman. He's standing in the doorway, and you hear him just go, huh. And that's it. Yeah, so we, we don't know, like, you know, is Norman gone? Is he... What's in that room? You know, it's it's kind of it leaves you it leaves it up for speculation for sure. Um, but Absolutely. As, as far as our heroes are concerned, Norman is. Yeah. Yep. And now the days go by, Cody. The the hours go like it's just the kids are all depressed. Like Emma just sits in her room. Ray just sits in the library. Like think like, but like obviously the kids are still outside playing. Like they're all doing their normal choring. And Cody, this is where we get that scene um, where um, Isabel goes back into the infirmary with um, with Emma, and she has the talk with her. She's like, I want you to become a mother. This is that conversation that she's getting her recommendation to be a mother. And um, Emma don't want no parts of it. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> and, then, and then Mama basically is like, well, and uh, all right, you're you're never gonna be able to escape. So like, <laughs> I gave you a chance, basically. Which is yeah, like that was that was your out. Sorry. Yeah, just really like kicking her while she's down, as if she couldn't be even like more down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we kind of yeah, and even like Don and Gilda are like trying to encourage like Emma and Ray to kind of like you know come on, we can stick with the plan. And Ray's like, fuck that plan, I don't even care anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna die here. Like, <laughs> these guys yep. are they have lost hope, so it seems. Uh, but eventually we get to the point where it's like the night before Ray's shipment date 
Yeah, and this is two months later. Go by. Two months have gone by since Norman has been shipped out, and we're coming. We're coming down the home stretch here, Cody. We are getting into the final section of season one, and boy, does it pick uh, business really picks up here. Yeah. So Emma basically wakes up, finds Ray singing in like the chapel. Um, mm-hmm. And we, it's kind of revealed that these two have been acting this way uh, to kind of throw Mama off. So this whole, you know, depressed, forget the plan, like. It was all part of it. Like they they had planned all of this. It was all Norman's plan. Yeah. And um excuse me, these beer hiccups are killing me. Um <laughs> But uh yeah, it turns like they were basically just trying to fool mama into thinking that, you know, they're just gonna give up and, you know she's just gonna go about it business as usual, ship these kids off when they turn twelve and mm-hmm. that'll be that. She'll please the demons, she'll please the, the quote unquote one. Um but no, they're like, no, we're we're gonna escape, and uh, we we got a chance here. Yeah. So basically, what what's happening here, man? Like, I love this because like the whole thing here, like Ray is you you get this vibe that Ray's just ready to call it. He's ready to give up. He's gonna. He's like, I'm just gonna. They're not gonna shit me out. They're not gonna eat me. He just like dumps lighter fluid on himself. This is one of the things that he's been stockpiling. And there was an earlier episode where. Norman discovers something that Ray has, and it's this box of lighter fluid. So basically, Ray's gonna go to light himself on fire. Just he's like, you know, this—they're not gonna get my brain. He just lights himself on fire, um, and we see Emma like dive for the match that he's dropping into the flame. And of course, what we see happen here, Cody, we cut to Mother Isabel. The fire alarm—I want to say the fire alarm's going off, and. Yeah, he can smell the this smoke. Where... She hears Emma scream. She's like, "What's going on?" Obviously, Don and uh, Gilda are like, "What the hell's going on?" Like, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's freaking out because like clearly something's going on. Um, and yeah. we're just like, "Oh shit!" Ray is literally melting, and she gets in the room, and Emma's like, "Ray, Ray," set, and lit himself on fire. And Mother Isabel's like, "Oh my god, I need to save the brain." Like, it's so funny. She didn't <laughs> give a shit about nothing else. Like, I gotta salvage the brain, and then. When she gets over, she uh, she says something to Emma and she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we she's able to see in the flames that all um well, she she goes to follow Emma, and she follows I guess into like a bathroom or something, and we find her fucking ear just like on the floor, like the part of her lobe where the tracking device is. And I'm just like, oh shit! Yeah, Emma's just the, the plan is a go. Like. Yeah, like she didn't even try to deactivate the the device. She just cut her whole fucking ear off. Oh, dude. Yeah, same thing. And uh, we also find out that Ray is also still alive and well. So Cody, and th- I love this part. And this was such a, it was so neatly animated. So during this two months, the what after Norman was gone, you see these montages of kids playing tag and doing work, um, but they were all still training. Part of the plan that the plan was still a go the whole time. Like Norman knowing what was going to happen to him, still had everything set up for the plan. It was so fucking cool, dude. Um, basically, they got to a point where they, they, they came to realize that basically the four and under, like they, basically the four and unders would not understand what's going on. They're too attached to mom, except for one kid named Phil. Oh, Phil, the, Phil's the goat. Best character dude, by Dude, Phil far. is the fucking goat, man. Because he... Basically, he has a, he has a conversation with uh, you know before this the plan goes into motion. Phil knows that something's not right. 
Phil knew that something, he felt something wasn't right. But basically, it's Phil, Phil has now taken on the job to be the, the beacon, basically be the next Norman for the next group of kids, for these four and unders as they grow up, to train them, to help them escape. Basically, he's the one. The strongest four-year-old of all time. The, absolutely. The absolutely. Like he's, he's like, yeah, I'll carry that weight. That's fine. <laughs> like, and he's going he's gonna to carry all that weight. And what else is really cool here is you see mom during the frantic while the house is burning down, she goes down to her office and grabs the radio. Like mm-hmm. she's got to get the radio. And of course they, everything's on high alert. Now the guards have been called. There's demons everywhere. And the group of kids are making their way to the wall and they've got like two ropes and they're getting everybody up to the wall. So what they're doing, Cody is they, 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 and you, it, it goes back to the montage of them like playing and doing stuff that we saw these subtle nods that they're they've got the rope tied to a rock and they're throwing it over the over the crevice, wrapping it around a tree, and they're gonna zip line using coat hangers to get across. And I don't know if you noticed this, Cody, while they were out playing during the two month like montage, the kids were running around with coat hangers. Yep, they were swinging rocks on 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 the sheets. Yep, they were just doing this stuff so it just so and I guess innocuously. That you just didn't think about it. Like, oh, it's just kids running around. They're doing chores. They're playing, you know, whatever. But no, even the subtle things like that were all part of this big plan that Norman had in mind. Yeah, it's a crazy... When it, when you realize everything that's going on, it's like very, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Very like, very like Ocean's Eleven, like the, 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 the plan is still in effect. Like I was waiting for old fucking, uh, for fucking Trucula to come in and say, Rick, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yep, and uh, Isabella realizes that like Ray and the others are, have escaped or are gone and they're alive. Um, and then old boy Phil, he's like pulling on her, like "Mama, what's going on?" You know, he's playing, yeah, playing dumb. Uh, like I said, playing he, real coy. Just fucking, he's the goat, greatest four-year-old of all time, Phil. Yeah, but the uh, future, I like, if you will, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, and Isabel obviously knows where she's like, where are the other kids? She knows she realizes it's just nothing but the four and unders with her. So she's like, all right, I'll be right back. And she goes taking off after the kids. Um, she gets to the wall as everybody's repelling, uh, you know, zip lining down. Um, we're down to basically it's just Ray and Emma who are left. Well, no, it's just Emma and I guess the two. There's the two other kids uh, like um, it's like Tama, Toma and somebody. I don't remember their names, but uh, there are other two like kind of semi side characters. Um they zip line down, Ray zip lines down with a girl who's like afraid. And I was like, oh, this bitch is going to get him killed. This little kid's going to get him killed because he's scared to zip line down. But Isabel shows up just in time to see. Um, just, uh, she, just they, Emma. she locks eyes with Emma to see Emma just zip line across and they break the they break the sheets and they're out. They're out. They scaled the wall. They all got away. All the ones that were meant to get away got away. And Cody, then we get to see here so, kind of the same thing that we saw with Crona with Isabel. We saw the same thing. We she we see some of her at a, at a plant when she was a child with her friend Leslie, who's playing the guitar under a tree. Um, and we get some really cool backstory. Isabel obviously is presented with the chance to become a mom or be demon food. She clearly chooses the mom path, and we have that same kind of montage. But we also see that she is impregnated. So I feel like that they, they kind of skipped over this with Krona. So I feel like once you make the option, you choose to become a mother, 
you're I guess you're inseminated somehow. I don't know what what they do because I haven't seen that. There's no I haven't seen a single dude in this show. Other than the kids, other than the yeah. the male children, I have not seen an adult male in this show at all. Yeah, so, so I I am a little bit confused. Like, when did she get? Like, was she a, an eleven year old that got pregnant? Like, no, no, no. She was pregnant. Well, she was pregnant when she joined when she became a mother. So I think they, I don't know if they waited for her to get a little older or if they inseminated her when she was young. But she looked like based on the way it looked, she looked like she was just a teenager, okay. probably, you know, 17, yeah. 16, 17. I was trying to figure out, like, if there were guys at the training facility, like, if this Leslie guy was, like, you know, like, her boyfriend, like, and they grew up and, like, mm-hmm. got pregnant. I don't, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, because it, it's kind of flashed through these scenes very quickly. But regardless, she became a mother. She had, like you said, she was pregnant, and you realize... She becomes that the she, mother, and... Yeah, the mother of no, our, our boy Ray. Uh, yeah, so we, we get a really cool reveal here. So Leslie played this tune that he had made up on a guitar, and it was very like soft and catchy, and Isabel liked it. And it was something that when when she was pregnant, she would hum that tune. And this was something you would actually hear her hum throughout most of her scenes in the show when she's just walking around with the kids. She'd be humming this tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even the, and then it the go, tune that Ray was like humming in the chapel, I believe, as well. Yes, yes, and that was so funny because we get that reveal where when Ray is younger, he's sitting under a tree humming a tune, and Mother Isabel comes out and she's like, "How do you know that tune?" And she's like, and Ray's like, "Well, I remember my mom singing it to me." Um, and then you understand, holy shit, that's why she has been. That's why Ray has pretty much been her teacher's pet. Because that's her. That's his. That's her son. Yep. That's your son. Yeah. So you kind of, you kind of feel for honestly. Uh, even though she is yeah. like evil. Like I mean, obviously they're presented with two horrible choices, and you got to choose one basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but... it, it it almost seems like she's proud at the end here. Um, she's like, you know, go on, children. You know, be safe. You know, you know your typical like, mm-hmm. nice speech <laughs> from such an evil character, but like. Yeah, and then she's got to go back because she's got the four-year-olds. She's got the kids that she goes back to. Um, yeah, and earlier, and that's actually before we wrap up. I do want to mention earlier on we do get to see like a scene where like Phil kind of little little baby Phil, the four-year-old, kind of caught on that like something was up on this farm. Like he, you see, oh, like because yeah. he walked in on he walked in on Crona, uh, like kind of inspecting the kids' beds and stuff, and then he saw mm-hmm. he he's obviously the one that walked in on. Uh, Don and Gilda when they were in uh, Isabella's yep. office, like, oh yeah, he knew. Phil yeah. definitely knew. But yeah, like, like you said, Chris, that's where we kind of they hop over the wall, they get to the other side, and they just hit the they ground. They wake running. up. Yeah, yeah. Like basically, the the show ends with the next morning, and the kids, uh, basically, it's their first morning outside the farm, and that's it. That's the end of season one, and. Cody, I don't need any more of this story. I have to- I have heard the story that I I have watched the story that I needed to see, and it was fucking phenomenal. It really was. Yeah, it is fantastic. Um, I I <laughs> I I wish I would have watched. I wish this would have been like the second show I nominated, because um, it it was more than I ever expected. I'd always heard so many good things about it, but I. You know, I hear good things about every anime, uh, but this mm-hmm. one, boy, howdy, it was 
Fantastic. Definitely was, one of the best newer age anime. Like, what is this, 2019 when this came out? 2019, yeah. This is, like, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Cody, how good is it? Let's go to the rankings. Let's see uh, where we both uh, where this landed for both of us on our rankings. All right, Chris. Well, for me, we finally have somebody else to break into my top two. This is going to be number two. Mm-hmm. Going to go right below Death Note and above Cowboy Bebop. Um, as much as I love Cowboy Bebop, its story can't hold a candle to this. I mean, not even close. Um, and like the unique things that they did with the animation that we kind of mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. like the the cool camera angles, like sometimes they go first person, you know, just all kinds of different little camera angles that you see like in, in movies and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and other forms of media that I, I mean, I'm sure it happens in other anime, but this is the first time I've seen it. Um, so it seemed mm-hmm. very unique and cool and just something different that you don't, you know, normally with anime these days, it's like you get a mediocre story, but you get big, cool fights, but like not with this, this is hard. I mean, this is suspense through and through edge of your seat. Great storytelling. I mean, I was all in, Chris. I, I love this this show. Uh, I, hopefully, season two is just... Hopefully, everybody's wrong, and it's actually not bad. But for now, it is going to be number two on my list. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I toiled over this one for about a week or so. And I I have to put this one, Cody. This I, I This is my new number one. This might be... I might like this this season of television more than most other seasons of television of any show that I've ever watched. Um, and that's anime, non-anime. This show was very, very impressive. Um, and like I said, man, I love the story, the storytelling, the pacing. I have zero gripes about this show. And I love Cody. I love that they didn't spoon-feed us everything. Again, like I said at the top of this thing, I don't like being spoon-fed all the details. I'm not on that Marvel movie diet. I don't need swerves, and I don't need I don't need fucking after-credit scenes. I don't need you to explain every single detail to me. You, this show drops me into a world where nothing is right, and we, from the perspective, uh, you know, we get to follow this journey of discovery with these kids, where they also learn that they don't live in this safe world that they thought they did. They, and they don't tell us a bunch of backstory. They don't tell us where the demons came from. They don't tell us, you know, how the world ended up in in, the way it is. And I didn't need that. Just like the way it ended, the kids got away. We don't, the whole time they're wondering they're, you know, as kids do, what are they going to be when they grow up? What's, what's on the outside of the world. I've never seen beyond this field. I've never seen any of this. And at the end, they get to see their first sunrise outside of that concrete wall, outside of that farm. And I love the fact that, granted, yes, I know there's a season two. And I hate the fact that there's a season two. I like the idea of it just staying open-ended. What What is outside this gate? What is their first sunrise outside of this gate holding store for them? I don't want to know. I want to be able to speculate. And... Like, I am fine if I never watch another episode beyond this ever again, because this was perfect. This was a perfect, this was a perfect anime. This was a perfect series. Season one. Yeah. It's it's my number one by a mile, by a fucking mile. Sorry, Castlevania. You're great. And I think you have, you are still a, 
very, very strong anime that I would recommend to damn near anybody, but now I'm going to recommend this over most anything else. Yeah, uh, definitely the first season for sure. Um, I mean, this anime has been nominated for tons of awards, at least the first season. I'm not seeing anything about the mm-hmm. second season yet. Um, I could be wrong. Um, it's but, pretty great. But yeah, I mean, critically praised, like one of the, like, the top, it was 24th best-selling manga in like 2018. Um, so like, mm-hmm. the show is just fantastic, man. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we get to leave off on a good note. And you know, we don't, we won't be watching season two until later when it becomes more widely de- available. Um, but absolutely, and I, and I will watch it begrudgingly, only because. You know, we finish our plate here. We we we, we, <laughs> we, we finish our plates here on Shonen and stuff. Chris, that's for sure. I, we... I said that last week, and then I'm like, I, I, I was messaging our friend of the podcast, Muhammad, and he was uh-huh. just telling me he was like, "Man, it's it's just so bad. Like it's like it goes oh. off course. You know, it skips manga arcs." I'm like, "No," but bad. You know, of course, last week I had to say we we finish our plate here. <laughs> yep, Might be an instant regret, finish. but uh, we don't we don't leave Larry's. We drink every last drop here on Shonen and Suds. That is right, but uh, and speaking of which, Chris, we are we got a we got a movie coming up next week. We had put a I put out our poll. I was a little late to our mm-hmm. poll, if I'm being honest. Um, That's all right. But, but you know, we we still got uh, quite a few votes on there, and you know, our our prayers were answered for your birthday wish. We got we got oh. Jinro the Wolf Brigade finally. Yeah, saw so it's gonna be such a good time after being nominated in probably every movie poll we've ever put up. Uh, <laughs> we're finally it's gonna, that good. We're finally gonna be able to watch it. And uh, we're also going to cover, you mentioned to me, there's also the Netflix adaptation, like the live action version. Yep. Which is... And that's called what, like Il Zhang, the Wolf Brigade? I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, yep. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, so Cody's pulling that up. Basically what we're doing is we're going to cover the Jinro anime, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. And then we're going to watch the live action movie adaption on Netflix the week after. So this covers us. Uh, Jin, Jinro winning covers us for the next two weeks. So yeah, buckle yeah. up and enjoy the movies. Yeah. So the next one is, or the one on Netflix, excuse me, the live action is Illang. I L L A N G. Okay. Um, Perfect. So we'll be covering, like you said, anime from, what, 99? I want to say it was 1999. Uh, like 2000, 99, 2000. So it was very much at that time when, uh, when like animation styles were changing, stories were becoming a lot more grittier and less, um, a lot more maybe grounded in realism, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this is this is no exception. This is a really really good movie, and this is one I actually had the opportunity to see in theaters. And wow, great yeah. movie! Looked like it came out in France first, actually in '99, and then Japan mm-hmm. in 2000. And then... Obviously, later on in the States, of course, probably 2001, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to find the dates on the... Mm-hmm. I was looking for the remake, like the remade version. It looks like 2018, if that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's we'll be watching those movies for the next two weeks. And then, of course, after that, we have to dreadfully return <sighs> Chris for another season of Seven Deadly Sins. God damn it! Damn it! Fine. Damn it! Damn it! Um, I'm sure it'll I be, do. I also do that begrudgingly. Probably be 25 episodes. We'll find out next week. Uh, it comes out on the 28th. Okay. Um, so we'll 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 suffer through that. Put it back on the bottom of our list. You know. Yep. Um, and actually, before... you can go ahead and pencil it in down there for me already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you wanna? Oh yeah, I got it down there. With fucking 
five exclamation marks behind it. Yes. Dead last. Um, but actually, before we we leave the promised Neverland, um, well there's, there's actually a live action film of uh, this uh, of the promised Neverland. It looks like get it's, the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I'll have to do some research, and we'll come back to this next week. Um, but because I'm just well, it's funny you said that because I think this show would make a great live action adaption because Cody, there's nothing you don't there's no goofy special effects. This is like something like this is such a good story that I feel like if if Hollywood wanted to turn this or if Netflix or Hulu or Amazon wanted to make this into a limited series, fuck they could do it with no problem. Oh Chris, I got no problem. I, I got more news for you too. Don't worry. Uh huh. <laughs> so we got the live action film. Uh, it's like a, a Japanese live action. Film. So if I sure, can sure, sure. if I can find like a decent stream of it or something like that, it looks like it premiered. Uh, December 18th, 2020, so it's actually been out for a little while. Okay, gotcha. So, well, I'll see if I can find a link to that. We mm-hmm. also have, in June 2020, it was revealed that Amazon Studios and 20th Century Television is developing an English-language live-action series adaptation of the manga for Amazon Prime Video. Perfect. And we this, got... <laughs> they could we, do this very well. We have... Um, Rodney Rothman is directing the series. Uh, who Never worked, heard of him. He worked on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Which oh, is, then I'm in. That that's movie a, that's was a, fucking phenomenal. That's a good highlight. Um, yeah, so it looks like they're working on this. It looks like it has somebody who worked on Death Note. I'm pretty sure that's the live action, which is a little scary, but, you know, maybe... You know, with this, there's not much... Like you said, there's not much, you know, like supernatural stuff outside of the monsters like it's all yeah, and you can and humans. we've been cgi and monsters in hollywood for the last fucking 30 years right yeah we're, I'm, this isn't gonna be no fucking <laughs> we're not gonna get some horrible effects like in like the super mario brothers movie or anything yeah and, but... <laughs> and the other thing too like honestly they could maneuver it to where like for the first couple episodes we don't necessarily you know they, they showed the demons a little more front and center there's no reason in the live action adaption that they can just kind of keep them more in the shadows. Like I like the idea of us, like of us, the viewer and maybe the people not really knowing what these demons look like until they're basically on their dinner plate. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. You can, you can definitely like, you know, like what's that, what's that shadow talking in the background? You know, right. like you don't know like what it's like when, what's that movie, Chris? I can't think of it. Oh, it's gonna make me mad when the monster attacks like New York City. Not like Oh, that. Cloverfield. Cloverfield, thank you. Yeah. Very much. It, like you wanna see the right monster, on the but head. you only get to see like a glimpse of like a, a tail or a glimpse of like a foot or you know Yeah, you or really... a claw or something, and it, that's what I wanna see. That's it, how it needs to be done. Yeah, I'm really glad like, I really I, feed the mystery. Very glad I scrolled farther down on that Wikipedia page. Um Yeah, well, me too. Hell yeah, dude. That's exciting. That's very exciting news. Uh, and even more exciting news, Chris, we have passed over 1,000 downloads on Podbean. I don't know if that... I'm assuming that's, wow. a, I'm assuming that's across all platforms. Wow, that's a grand, baby. That is 1G. So big big shout-outs to you guys for uh, for downloading the episodes. You. Yeah, we we you know we do this just, just to pass the time. This is just a, a, a for-fun podcast that we do. So uh, yeah. we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening and downloading. Though I will say this... Cody, there's some. We've watched some stinkers, but I would have never given Promise Never Neverland another thought had we not done this on this podcast. And I'm so fucking glad that we did. Yeah, now I can't. This wait. is like up there. This is one of my all time favorite shows. Like this season one, I could I would put this up against almost any other show on television right now, and I think it's better than ninety percent of the stuff you'll find out there. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this live action. Hopefully, like, you know, with COVID, hopefully, uh, like, nothing gets, you know, like, canceled or anything like that. Hopefully, mm -hmm. this happens. Uh, and hopefully, I can find a link to that Japanese, like, the Japanese live action film as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, anything where we can rewatch a re-adaptation of the first season over and over again and avoid the second yeah. season at all costs. I mean, yeah, anything that keeps me into this contained story that I've been told. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have for us this week. Chris, you got anything else before we uh, before we sign off here? No, man. Just uh, just another big thank you for all the downloads, man. Like like you hit the nail right on the head, man. This was definitely just something to pass the time during COVID and. I've been able to like a reconnect with some animes that I liked when I was younger and also realizing that some of them are probably best left in the past. I'm also seeing that maybe not all new anime is all that good, but then also we find these absolute. Now to be fair, I would have watched fucking Castlevania anyway, whether we were doing a podcast or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was already, I was already watching yeah. season three when we started this thing. Correct. <laughs> correct. Um, but Again, something like Promise Neverland, dude, when something like this comes out and I, I, I get to immerse myself in this world with all this intrigue and distill this air of mystery, like, I, I am in love with this show. Like, I, I have not shut up about it since I watched it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is and I owe that special. to the podcast. So Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm having a blast doing this show. Um, yeah, I'm having, I'm having a shit ton of fun. We are almost... I get to drink beer and just talk TV. With yeah. my homie. That's right. And we are almost at, this is episode 48 here. So we are getting close to our year long, or our year end. We'll do a little special. We'll probably just kind of shoot the shit and talk about like all mm -hmm. the shows we've covered for, over the past year. Kind yeah. of weird to even think about it. Um, talk also, about our rankings. Talk about. See, I'm, oh, trying to, they, they... I'm trying to do the math here. Mm -hmm. 49.50 will be Genro. 51 will be mm -hmm. the first half of Seven Deadly Sins. Okay, so we'll be able to break up that. We'll yeah. break up, then, and then we'll do our we'll do our special. Uh, like you said, we're, what were you saying? You were gonna we're gonna break down the rankings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think there are some things I need to move around on my list. Um, yeah, now that now that we're kind of detached from some things, or kind of a little bit further removed, we can maybe think about the list in a different light and think about well, you know is this one really that bad or did I really like this one as much as I thought I did? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. The two that really come to mind for me is blood of Zeus and Samurai Champloo. I think I, I think blood of Zeus was very forgettable. Um, Oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you a fucking lick of what happened. Yeah. Like in blood of Zeus. We're going to need a Netflix when they come out with season two, we're going to need a, a recap for sure from Netflix. I'm going to need a hardcore recap episode. Yeah. And I think Samurai Champloo is the other one. I think I was, a little harsher on that than I needed to be. Um, mm -hmm. I think the characters in that are really good because I can't, you know, I can't like Cowboy Bebop and put mm -hmm. it near the top of my list and have Samurai Champloo all the way at the bottom. It doesn't really make sense because they both. It's have, practically the same show. Yeah, they both have paper thin storylines, but everything else is great. Um, I think Cowboy Bebop storyline is better, but well, yeah. you know, we'll, well get. To, I just we'll, don't care for feudal era stuff. I just don't care for samurais as much as I thought I did. Right, that's true. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get to all that on the on our year year special episode episode 52 um but for now mm -hmm. chris we get to sit back we get to watch general the wolf brigade two weeks in a row and can't uh, fucking wait yeah i'm excited so guys once again uh, thank you for listening i am cody snodgrass and i am chris adams check out fast nine in theaters this weekend and uh 
That's all I got, man. It's about family. Family. John Cena. <laughs> <laughs>